Hi everyone, this is Carol Mills. This is number one podcast, Eastbourne Solidarity. And today, the first podcast is going to be dedicated to a group in Eastbourne that's called the Angles in Eastbourne Project. The reason I'm focusing on this project is the true dedication of today's podcast is about a man called George Meek. Some of you will know George Meek because he was known as the bath chairman. It was his birthday on the 1st of June, 1868 to 1921. So I thought, what a wonderful way to start these podcasts with his birthday anniversary. Now, a bit about George Meek. Uh, if you download the from the Eastbourne Pilgrimages site website, there's a pamphlet called Angles and the Ragged Trouser Philanthropists. It's about a radical history tour. You can also get it, the pamphlet free in the Welcome Centre, and it's also on Visit Eastbourne site under the Walking Festival part. But this uh, pamphlet, this tour, is all about the radical history of Eastbourne and it starts with George Meek, the number one stop. If you go to the library, so this is the number one stop, you go to the library, you enter into Southfield Road that used to be Watery Lane, you see the road sign on the left hand side and if you look down just a tiny bit past that road sign and you'll see bath chair stand bsc tiny little brass plaque where the where the wall meets the pavement i uncovered all the dirt off it because it took me absolutely ages to find myself but you can see it really clearly now and this is where George used to stand, one of the places he used to stand, to try and get work. He couldn't afford his own bath chair. If he could do, he probably could have afforded to be one of the porters that was allowed inside the station to apply for work. No, he, he was outside the station with his rented bath chair, really hoping he'd get some work. And one of the reasons we sat up Engels in Eastbourne Project is because it's a radical history. We need to hear the stories of the working class people of this town. And we hear about, oh, bath chair, bath chair, and we can romanticise it. But what was life actually like? So here is a quote from George Mick, in George Meek's own words, what it was like. If you would know the horror of black despair, go out with a bath chair day after day, with the chair owner or landlord worrying you for rent, food needed at home, and get nothing. Stare till your eyes ache, pray with aching heart to a God whom you ultimately curse for his deafness, and this not for a week, But day after day, year after year. 
Obviously, life was hard. Hopefully, he had some good days as well. Now, I want to move on to another book, because um, George Meek wrote his own autobiography. I'll get to that later. But I want to move on to a book written by Clive Griggs and Bill Coxon. Coxon? Coxall. You can... You can't get this book anymore. It's called George Meek. It's out of print. But you can get another book by George Grigg called Eastbourne, 1851 to 1951. And you can buy that book in Smith's. But I want to read you a little bit from chapter one of George Meek, the book dedicated just to George Meek. And it tells you where he was born. Now, he, George Meek was born in very near Seaside Road in, I think it was called Three East Street. It was a little row of terrace cottages behind the Rose and Crown public house near where the Bourne School is. And I think the P Rose and Crown public house no longer stands. I, I think it, well, I may be wrong on that. But it, it did stand until very recently, but I'm sure I walked past it the other day and it wasn't, it's gone. But anyway, George was born in those cottages and three years before he was born, a fountain was erected in the middle of Seaside Road. So why am I referring to this fountain? In a way, that fountain and what is known about that fountain it illustrates why I'm so passionate about radical history being known, being revealed, being celebrated in this town. Because that fountain, it was restored in 2011, I think, and it was relocated to Sea Houses Square, which is right near the uh, Crown and Anchor. On, on the seafront and it, it's a beautiful looking fountain and if you go to it you will see the information telling you about Elizabeth Curlin who dedicated who donated it um, she herself was a, a charity worker she did good works in this town she helped working class women in this town she worked for the Eastbourne Society with the Eastbourne Society it's good. Obviously, it's just got to be mentioned. And it will tell you about the the structure, cast iron, intertwined dolphins, um, Portland stone steps. It will tell you all those things that need to be mentioned. But why does it leave out about the working class people who drank from that fountain and whom that fountain meant so much? It leaves that out. And, for example, why did they need this fountain? What was happening at that time was that the working class people were dying of waterborne diseases. Uh, they're all on the east side of town. Um, as you know, Eastbourne was built by gentlemen for gentlemen. Never mind about the gentlewomen, but that's the saying, gentlemen for gentlemen. And the, the, the need for the 
working classes to be housed was almost an afterthought. And, well, we'd better put them east side of town and none of the rich people go east of the pier anyway. So, you know, they won't be seen. Don't go east of the pier, dear. Build a big, you know, hotel so they won't even be seen at the end of the Grand Terrace. Build the Queen's Hotel and they won't be seen. <laughs> and sort of let them get on with it. But they were dying of waterborne diseases. And so that's not told on this, his this history of this fountain. Why not? And also what's not told is how important that fountain was as a rallying, community rallying point and as a political rallying point for the working classes who couldn't afford to uh, rent rooms out when they needed to congregate, so they congregate there. And it may well have been a congregation site for the Sally Army riots, uh, which some of you may know about, happened in this town. Um, if you're out there, Dave Roberts, um, when he gets time, he's going to write a book dedicated to that period of our history, and it would be wonderful to get that book, um, to, to read that book when it's written. Uh, there are things written about it, of course, but to have a dedicated book would be just wonderful. So anyway, that when I see um, foreign students being taken on tours and they stop at the fountain and they're not told that history, I know it, it disappoints me. So let's move on now to another pamphlet, book, about George Meek's father. It's called George Meek's father. It's written by Geoffrey Barber, who was, who was uh, uncovering his family history. And he came across the whole history of Benjamin and Elizabeth, who were George Meek's maternal grandmother and grandfather. Now, when George was three, he, his mother, Sarah, emigrated to America, New York, I think, to find work. And George was, was left with the grandmother and father. And they lived in a tide cottage because they also went for walkabouts looking for work, as George did when he became older. And they ended up at one point at these, this Thai cottage and they worked at Chalk Farm, and which was a working farm at the time, a thousand acres, 30 labourers. As you know, Chalk Farm has its own wonderful history associated with George Orwell and Animal Farm. So that's uh, very interesting to, to if you come across that. So Jill Shacklock, who's one of the East Angles in Eastbourne team, if you like, she discovered this pamphlet and she was very excited. Jill, Jill, um, 
tends to find things on the internet that other people haven't found yet. <laughs> and she was very excited when she came across this because one of those little treasures that happen when you're discovering local history. She knew about George Meek, because, you know, I go on about it all the time. But, and she came across this pamphlet. And the coincidence I want to talk about is that those Thai cottages no longer exist. On the site where they did exist was built a house. Jill now lives in that house. So she's going to make sure that that, that history is known in the history of her house. So I want to thank Jill, for not just for uncovering the book, but also for helping set up the website that we have, Engels in Eastbourne website, that's on the Brighton University blog website. And if you go to that website, you'll get loads of the Radical History of Eastbourne. And I'll put the references in the commentary afterwards so you can refer to it at your leisure. So thank you, Jill, for your, your work for that. F finally, in that book, there is, like Geoffrey Barber, he's, he opens the book with a poem by George Meek. It's called Song of a Bath Chair Man. And again, it must have been when he was feeling very low. <laughs> but I'll read you the first stanza. We do not live, we only starve and linger. We do not hope, we only drift along. We have no faith, the years have made us faithless. Come, listen to the chairman's feeble song. Yes, he obviously had bleak days. He, he also strove for, um, you know, to better himself. And, and you know, he came across... H.G. Wells, when he was on his walkabouts for work, and they had socialism in common. George was very interested in socialism. He wanted to write a book on science. And H.G. Wells says, you've got to write a book about your life, which he did do. And I haven't read that book yet, actually. I haven't managed to find where to read it. So that, that's a, a treat to come. You know, but until... Until then, there weren't accounts of working-class life by, written by working-class people. We had factual surveys, like Engels' condition of the working classes in Britain, and Jack London's uh, People of the Abyss, or, or the Ragged Trouser Philanthropist from Robert Tressel, based on Mugsbury, which was based on Hastings, and which so many socialists have read that book and it shaped their, their life. So there were wonderful books, but I would have a book written by a working-class person in his own words saying about his own life. Now, I'm going to leave it there. I hope you've enjoyed this, and I think some of the sound went, came and went during the time, so sorry about that. Um, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.